You are listening to the Central Church Podcast. To learn more about Central Church, including our gathering times, visit us online at centralsanford.net. Psalm 19 is where we're going to spend our time together this morning. As you turn there, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever just been ready for something to be over? Uh, just ready for something to be done. Uh, maybe, maybe you can identify with this a little bit as a dad of small children. Uh, there are regular times throughout my week where I'm just excited for things to be over. Uh, and this is never more true than when we're driving uh, to somewhere, we're driving as a family, and I love spending time with my family, I love spending time with my kids, but my kids love listening to songs. Uh, They love listening to the same song over and over and over again, right? Uh, They love listening to silly songs. And I'll be honest with you, I love the song Amazing Grace, but I can only handle a few minutes of it being sung by Kids Bop or Alvin and the Chipmunks or whoever it may be, right? So there are times where I'm just ready, hey, this song can be over. I'm ready for that to be done. Or, hey, I'm ready for this movie to be finished. I'm ready to move on. Now, for many of us, maybe this is how we feel about 2020, right? Maybe we got into April of 2020 and we thought, hey, I can't wait for this year to be over. We got into June and July and we're getting more and more excited about, hey, I can't wait for this to just be in the rear view mirror because let's be real, right? 2020 wasn't great. Right, well, it wasn't a great year. Now, it wasn't bad in, in, in all ways. And for some of us, maybe it wasn't bad at all. You, you know, 2020, great blessing for my family. We, we had a baby in 2020. And, and so uh, we're excited about that, right? Uh, there are things that have happened in my family, maybe in your family, that 2020 brought things to celebrate and things to be excited about. Yeah, we also know that this year also brought some things that maybe we weren't quite as excited about, right? Maybe it brought some pain. Maybe it brought heartache. Maybe it brought loss. But here's the thing. We survived, right? We made it through. We got through this year. Now, as we look forward to 2021, here's the question that I'm asking. Here's the question that I'm asking myself and that I think that we can answer today. How can I not just survive the coming year, but how can I thrive? The Lord didn't create us just to survive. Right? He didn't create us just to exist. No, he created us to thrive in a relationship with him. He's created us to enjoy him forever. And so how can we do that? How can we not just survive, but how can we thrive in 2021? And I think that Psalm 19 helps us answer that question. It gives us a clue on how do we thrive in this life? How do we thrive in the coming year? And and I think the answer for that is this. We look at Psalm 19, we see this truth that a relentless commitment to knowing God's word leads to radical joy in God's world. A, A relentless commitment to knowing God's word so that we can know God leads to radical joy in the world that he's placed us. Because let's be honest, right, this world isn't always fun. This world isn't always great. This life isn't always easy. But when we are committed to knowing God and to knowing his word, then real joy is possible. 
So look at Psalm 19 with me. Uh, Let me invite you to stand as we honor the reading of God's perfect and precious word. Uh, In Psalm 19, we're going to start in verse 7, and we're going to read down uh, to the end of the chapter. So Psalm 19, beginning in verse 7, the Spirit says to us this. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You can be seated. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your word. Lord, we're grateful that you have spoken clearly to us. And so, Father, we pray now that you would speak to us. We pray now that you would teach us what we need to see and that you would make us what we need to become. We pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look at Psalm 19, uh, I want us to ask three questions. Uh, I think that this psalm leads us to these questions. So three questions uh, of what, how do we know, how do we gauge our commitment to God's word? How can you know whether or not you are committed to knowing God's word? How can you know whether or not you are committed uh, to living in light of God's word? And so the first question uh, that this psalm leads us to ask is this, is do I value God's word? Do I value, do you value God's word? See, Psalm 19 places great value on God making himself known to us. And so here's the question, right? Is there anything more that you and I could desire? Is there anything more that you and I could need than to know and be known by the living God of the universe? Is there any greater gift that you or I could be given than to have a relationship with the high king of heaven who created everything, who who controls everything, who knows everything, and who wants to be known by us. See, Psalm 19, David is celebrating the fact that God has made himself known. He's celebrating the fact that, that if we'll commit to knowing God, then we can have real joy. And so as we look at Psalm 19, we don't have time to look at the entire psalm. Pastor Allen said, I can only preach for two hours. I would need another two to do the first six verses, right? Uh, So I'm just going to give you kind of a 30,000 foot overview of the first six verses. The, The first six verses is David celebrating the way that God has made himself known in creation. He's celebrating the fact that the, the heavens above proclaim God's handiwork. Right, the, the, the sky above declares the glory of God. That day is pouring out speech. That throughout all the earth we can look and we can see what God has created and we can see that there is a God. In Romans chapter one, Paul tells us that we can look at creation and we can see God's power on display. 
And so here David is celebrating that. He's celebrating what we call general revelation, that God has generally revealed himself to all people so that all people can look to the heavens, they can look to the earth earth around, and they can see that there is a creator. That there is a God who has worked in a wonderful way to give us life and breath. And so in verse 7, we have this shift. David shifts from just celebrating the way that God has has spoken through creation, and now he shifts his focus to a different kind of revelation. He, He shifts it to a special revelation, to the way that God has spoken to his people through his word. He's saying that, look, God isn't just there, but God has spoken. Right? Francis Schaeffer said it this way. He said that he is there and he is not silent. He has spoken in a way for us to hear. He's spoken in a way for us to read. He's spoken in such a way that we can know him. We can have a relationship with him. And so in verses 7 to 9, David, he's, he's pointing out some characteristics of God's word. He uses words like law and testimony and precepts and commandments to speak of the way that God has spoken to his people. And when he's talking about God's word and he he uses those words like law and precepts and rule and commandment, he uses descriptors like perfect and sure and right and pure and true. We read this psalm, we can see that David places a high value on God's word for God's people. Right? He, he places a high value on the fact that God has spoken, and, and he hasn't spoken the way that you and I speak. He, he hasn't given us a word that maybe the way you and I would give a word to someone. No, he has spoken to us in a true, in a pure, in a perfect, in a completely right way. In other words, God's word is completely trustworthy. We can depend on it. We can build our lives on it. And as if that's not enough, look at what God, God's word does for us. David says things like it revives us. It makes us wise. It gives us wisdom. It gives us joy. It enlightens our eyes. Who, who doesn't need that? And who, who doesn't need wisdom to live life in this world? Who, who, who in here would raise your hand and say, look, I have enough joy. I just don't really need any more. Right? Most of us probably aren't. I've never met that person that says, you know what, I'm just a little too joyous this week. Right? I, th- I think I'm, I'm going to go you know, watch a sad movie, have a good cry, something along those lines. No, most of us aren't saying that. Right? Most of us, if anything, we're saying, hey, I need more joy. Right? I need to be revived. I need life. I need my eyes to be open so that I can see what God is doing in my life and in his world. And David says, if you want that... If you want that kind of joy, if you want to see what God is doing in your life and in his world, then you need to go to his word. You need to go to the scriptures. See, God's word represents God's character. So what we believe about God informs what we believe about his word. So our perfect life-giving God, he can only give us a word that is perfect and life-giving. He can only give us a word that is completely right. He can only give us a word that gives us life, that blesses us, that that builds us up, that, that shows us what we need to see. And so as we commit to know God's word, we commit to know God. And so here's the question that we have to ask is, do we value God's word? 
Do we value God's word the way David talks about here? Do we value God's word in the way that we live our lives? See, here's my fear. My fear is that we, and I'm including myself in this, is that we enjoy talking about valuing God's word more than we actually value God's word. Uh, this week, I was, I was at home and, and I went onto our back porch and, uh, and I was reading a book. And so reading is a big deal in my family right now. My, my daughter's in first grade and so she's kind of coming alive to reading. My son is in pre-K and, and he's learning letters and he's learning the sounds that they make. And so he can't read, but he will ask you, hey, what does T-H-E spell? What does P-U-B-L-I-X spell? What, what does whatever, on public, that's a weird one, wasn't it? Right, but, but that, that's, he asked me that the other day, what does that spell? And so reading is a big deal in our family. And so then I've got a, a three-year-old who he isn't really interested in reading at all, but he's interested in wherever the party is. And, and so we were, we were on the porch this week. I was on the porch and, and Nora, uh, my daughter, she came out and she said, Daddy, I want to read with you. And so she brought her book out and she sat down. And then a few minutes later, uh, here comes Haddon. He, he walks out and he says, oh, I, I want to read. And then a few minutes later, here comes Graham. And like I said, Graham said, hey, what are we playing, right? Where is the party? And so uh, we sit down and I'm trying to read and, and the kids have their, their books open and, and they're, they're talking about how they're going to read. And, and before I know it, one is moving this chair over there because the light is better over there. And, and one's moving their seat over there because that one was sitting too close to them. And, and then it was, no, really, I need, I need to go outside uh, because I, I, can, I can see better out there. And I want to feel the wind blow and I want to hear the birds chirp. And, and so about halfway through, I said, hey, I thought that we were out here to read. And they said, oh, we are. We are, Daddy. We love to read. We, we want to read. We've just got to get it right. We've just got to get to the right place. And so this goes on for a few minutes and, and I look up from my book and one son is chasing another son with a lightsaber and Nora, my daughter, I think was making donuts out of dirt, but I'm not positive on what she was doing. And in that moment, I realized, you know what? These kids like talking about reading more than actually reading, right? These kids, they like reading because reading to them is beating each other with lightsabers and making dirt donuts, right? I wonder how many for us that we enjoy talking about valuing God's word more than actually valuing God's word. Because it's easy to sit in here, right? It's easy to sit in here and say, I value God's word, right? That we are people of the book, that I love the Bible. But do we really? Does our life say that we value God's word. So I think from, for many of us, I've been guilty of this myself that I think, hey, I, I'm, I'm going to start reading my Bible as soon as I get like the right devotional book. I, I'm, I'm going to start reading my Bible as soon as I have a little bit more time. As soon as I have a little free time, I'm going to read it. You know, I wish I had more time to read my Bible, but I just can't skip another episode of fill in the blank. I want to read my Bible, but I need this, this, and this. Here is what I have learned. We do what we want to do. We do what we value. And so if we really value God's word, then we will commit to knowing God's word. 
We say, yeah, hey, I value God's word. I just don't read God's word. I value my wife. I just never tell her I love her. I value God's word, but I can't tell you the last time that that I just spent some time memorizing it and meditating on it and marinating in it. See, it's not enough for us to just say that we value God's word. We have to actually value God's word. And so a relentless commitment to knowing God's word, it it gives us radical joy in this world that we find ourselves. And so we need to ask ourselves, do I value God's word? But there's another question that I think David leads us to ask here uh, in Psalm 19, and it's this, do I delight in God's word? Do I delight in God's word? Look at verses 10 and 11. David, he's talking about the word of God. He says, more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned and keeping them there is great reward. See, here is the truth. I don't think we think about this a lot, but here's the truth. Delighting is a dangerous thing. And delighting is dangerous because of this. What if we're delighting in the wrong things? What if we're delighting in the things that will ultimately kill us? I had, a, I had to go to the doctor this week. So I had a physical, which I've decided I just, I pay a hundred bucks for a guy to tell me I'm chubby, right? That's, uh, I could do that, doctor. I don't need you to tell me that. And so I, I go to the doctor and he says, hey, when was the last time you had blood work done? And I said, oh, I don't like needles, so I've never had blood work done. And so he said, okay, well, we're going to have that done. I said, oh, watch me, right? Uh, but we're, we're, talking, we're talking about what kind of things I like to do and all this. And I tell him, hey, you know what? Like, I like to smoke ribs <laughs> and I, I like to eat barbecue. And, uh, and he says, hey, so I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say like your cholesterol might be a little high if you do that a lot. And what he was saying is that, hey, if you are delighting in that to the exclusion of these other things, you're going to kill yourself. And, and I wonder how many things, both physically and spiritually, that we delight in that will ultimately kill us. But see, what David is saying here in Psalm 19 is that if we will delight in God's word, not only will it not kill us, but it will give us life. It, it will give us joy. It will give us peace. It will give us what you and I need. So he's celebrating God's word. He's showing us that, that God's word is worth delighting in. He says it's more desirable than gold. It's, it's sweeter than honey. In David's world, there was nothing more valuable than gold and honey. Really, these were kind of status symbols because gold was obviously valuable, but honey represented the best taste, the most refined palate in all of the world were people who got to eat honey. And David is saying that, you know what God's word is? God's word is more valuable than that little gold over there, that little metal, and it's better, it's more satisfying, it's more useful than honey. It's better than all of that. It's more desirable than all of it. David could have delighted in his wealth. He could have delighted in his status, but instead, what does David delight in? David delights in God. See, that's ultimately why David delights in God's word. David delights in God's word because he's delighting in God. See, God's word is wonderful because God is wonderful. Now, Now think about this. David's talking about the the wonderful word of God. He's talking about how he delights in God's word. 
Hey, he's talking about how sweet God's word is. But think about this. David's not talking about John 3.16. He's not talking about Romans 8. He's not talking about the 23rd Psalm because he probably hadn't written it yet. No, what David's talking about here that he delights in is the first five books of the Old Testament, the law, the Torah, the, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He's saying that the book of Leviticus is sweeter than honey. Now, I don't know about y'all, but I've, I've read the Bible through multiple times, um, but I've also made it to Leviticus and Numbers and thought, oh, right? This is hard. This is not God. What are you trying to say? But David gets to Leviticus and Numbers and he says how sweet it is. How valuable it is. How right it is that I would know that. David's not saying, you know what, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Right? He, he, he hasn't read that. He hasn't read Romans 8, 1, that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No, David has read Leviticus 19, Leviticus 18, Leviticus 12, Numbers 3. There's a reason that you and I can't say what Leviticus 18, 12 says right off the bat, but we can say John 3, 16 right off the bat, right? But David comes to Leviticus and he says, this is good. This is what I need. And the reason he says that, and, and we could dive into the purpose of the law in the Christian life. We don't have time to do that. But the reason he says that is because that the law of the Lord teaches him about who God is, what he is like, and what he has called you and I to be like how he has called you and I to live. And so David says, you know what? If this helps me know my God better and helps me to live my life in a holier way, then that is sweet. That is valuable. That is what I need. That is honey. See, I love honey. It's sweet and it's satisfying. I, I tell people all the time, hey, I would love to have some beehives one day because I love honey. It's useful in all sorts of ways. David is telling us that, that this is what God's word is like. It's sweet. It's satisfying. And it's good for every situation and for every circumstance. So do you delight in it? Do I delight in God's word? Is God's word something you crave? You wake up in the morning thinking, I can't wait to spend time with my God. Do you, do you come before the Lord delighting in the fact that he knows you and in spite of you, he loves you and he has spoken to you? Do we delight in this? Maybe you think, hey, I'll read the Bible once I find that right Bible study that speaks to exactly where I am. I'll read the Bible once I get to, to that devotional book that, that is written in exactly the way that I want it to. Here's the thing. I love good Bible studies. The church is providing right now media for everyone in this room. It's wonderful Bible studies. I love good devotional books. But those things, devotional books, Bible studies, whatever it is, they are only valuable in so much as they get you into God's word. They're only valuable in so much that they point you back to what God has said in his word. I was struck by this yesterday. We have an embarrassment of biblical resources 
We have an embarrassment of Bible studies and devotional books. And yet here's the truth. Our biblical literacy, not just in our nation, but in churches around our nation is embarrassingly low. Never at any time have we had greater access to God's word and to tools and resources to help us read God's word better and still been as biblically as illiterate as we are today. See, those things are only helpful in so much as they push us to the Bible. Here's the truth. We don't need another devotional. We don't need another Bible study book as good and as helpful as those may be. Before we need any of that, we just need to read the devotional that God has given us. Right? We just need to read the Bible. Imagine this with me. Imagine a husband and a wife. The husband is about to leave for work and his wife says, hey, before you go, I have something very important that I want to tell you. I've got something very important that I need to let you know. The husband looks at his wife and he says, that's great. Call my assistant. They'll summarize it for me in a memo and I'll get back and see what I can do. Right Now, I can't speak for your family, but if I said that to my wife, she would, what my parents used to say, snatch a knot in my head, right? Maybe you've heard that, that phrase before. Yet, isn't that what we do whenever we run to, hey, I want to grow in my relationship with Jesus, so I'm going to go read this book. No, why don't we read the book he's given us? right? Hey, I, I want to grow in my walk with the Lord. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go read this, or I'm going to go look at that. or I'm going to go watch this. Hey, why don't we read the Bible? Right? That, that might be a good idea. See, do we delight in God's word or is God's word a burden for us? See, if, when you think about reading and memorizing God's word, your first thought is burden rather than delight, then something has gone wrong. Because when I think about spending time with my wife, I don't think, oh gosh, she wants to watch TV again, right? She wants to go on another date. When is it going to end, right? That, that's not what I think, right? Because I love her. I'm in love with her. I'm in a relationship with her. And so when you love someone, when you're in a relationship with them, you want to spend time with them. You delight in knowing them and in learning about them. See, this commitment to knowing God's word, it gives us radical joy. And we need to ask, do I value God's word? Do I delight in God's word? And there's one more question that Psalm 19 calls us to ask, and it's this. Do I submit to God's word? Do I submit to God's word? Uh, the greatest movie ever made in the history of cinema is a movie called Remember the Titans. Maybe you have seen this movie. Uh, there is a scene in this movie uh, when Julius Campbell uh, looks at Gary Bertier and he says, attitude reflect leadership captain. He, he says, attitude reflects leadership. See, your attitude about something reveals really what you believe. And this is never more true than our posture towards God's word. See, if a commitment to knowing God's word leads to joy in his world, and that joy is found when we submit our lives to what God has said in his word, then if we want joy, we will gladly and happily submit to God's word. But submission today is kind of taboo, isn't it? When we think about submitting to anything, automatically there's red flags because no one's going to tell me what to do. 
There's a phrase that is common in, uh, in pop culture right now, and it's, hey, just let them live their truth. Well, here's the question. What if their truth is a lie, right? And I'm just going to live my truth. But we don't get to decide what is true and what is false, right? We don't get to decide reality. God has done that for us. So in verses 12 to 14, for, for those who belong to God, what David is saying is that submission to his word, it's not only what he requires, but it's also where we find joy. In verse 12, David says, who can discern his errors? Who can declare me innocent from hidden faults? See, what he's saying is that there are sins that you and I commit that we're not even aware of. There are sins that you and I commit that we do not see. We, we might call these blind spots. There are sins that you and I commit that, that maybe we just don't realize we're doing it or maybe we don't even realize we're sinning. We're, we're like the fish swimming along asking, hey, what does water feel like? Right? It's just been what we've always been. It's, it's what we've always experienced. But David is saying here that, hey, there are errors, there are faults, there are sins that we are blind to. And he's just agreeing with what the Bible says. Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Anyone who says, just follow your heart, right? No, don't follow your heart, right? Your heart is wicked. Our sin has infected us. We need to follow what God has told us in his word. We don't know our hearts as well as we think. And so we need someone to show us what we cannot see. And that's what God's word does for us. Several years ago, I was serving as a, a student pastor uh, in, in a church in North Florida. And I started hearing middle school and high school students talk about something. And I wasn't sure what they were talking about. They started talking about these things called filters. And, and I wasn't sure. I was like, that's weird. Like AC filters are a big thing in high school now. That's cool. I, yeah, I, I wasn't sure what, what they were talking about. What they were talking about was social media, right? That, that on Instagram and Snapchat and, and whatever other thing they use, right? That, that there are these filters and these filters, they can make you look different than what you actually look like. They can cover your faults and your blemishes and your problems. They can make you look like a unicorn. They can make you look like a princess. They can make you look like you have two heads. See, those filters, they're fun to play with, but they're not reality. They're, they're fun to look at, but they're not an accurate representation of what's happening in the world and certainly not an accurate rep representation of what's happening in your life. And here's the thing, all of us view our world and our life through a faulty filter. We all view ourselves and our life and our world through a filter that says, I'm not as bad as I think I am. But what David is saying here is not only are you as bad as you think you are, not only am I as bad as I think I am, but I am far, far worse than what I think I am. Because I can't see all of my problems. And if I'm going to see all of my problems, if I'm going to see my sin, then the connection he's making here in Psalm 19 is that for me to see the world and myself correctly, I've got to view it through the lens of the Bible. I've got to view it through what God has said in his word. And so he says, show me, 
right? Show me my errors. He says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Verse 13, keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless and innocent of great transgression. And then verse 14, let the word of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. See, what David is doing here is he's willingly submitting himself to God's word. Do you and I do that? Do we submit ourselves to God's word? Maybe you're saying, Ethan, what does submission to God's word look like? Submission to God's word means that we believe it, we trust it, and we repent. It means that God's word says who we are accurately. It diagnoses our problem accurately and that we can trust that it is true and that God's grace that has shown us our problem is also the grace that will help us to change. It's not even the grace that will help us to change, but actually it's the grace that changes us. So in other words, we don't try to justify ourselves when God's word confronts us with our sin. Here's the thing. If you can read the Bible and never be confronted with sin, maybe you're not reading the Bible correctly. If you can read the Bible and never be confronted with where you have fallen short, maybe you're reading it incorrectly. Here's another way to think about that. If you come to church on Sundays, and when Pastor Allen's preaching, your first thought is, I really hope she's listening because she needs it. Or or your first thought is, man, I wish so-and-so was here because they need to hear this. Maybe you're not hearing correctly. Because God's word, before it applies to anyone else, it applies to you. This, I'll be honest with you, as I was preparing this message, I was preaching this to myself. Because I realized that, that too often, when I come to the Bible, I think, yeah, this is what our world needs to hear. This is what our culture needs to hear. But do you know what the biggest problem in Ethan Crowder's world is? The biggest problem in Ethan Crowder's world is Ethan Crowder. My biggest enemy stares me back in the mirror every day. Because like Paul says in Romans 7, what I want to do, I do not do. And what I do not want to do, I do. Notice how David ends this psalm. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. That that only happens by a life that is committed and is saturated with God's word. Then look at how he ends it. He says, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. In other words, he's saying, oh Lord, my refuge and my savior. See, here's the the good news that we have today is that in God's word, we don't just have a diagnosis for our problem. In God's word, we have a solution. See, God doesn't just point out our sin. No, he's the redeemer who had redeemed us from the curse of sin. See, David knew that he needed God's word and he needed God's grace. So you and I, when we come to the Bible, we come to the Bible and we see, hey, you know what? I am a great sinner. But what the book of Hebrews says is that we are in a better place than what David was because we now stand on the other side of the cross. And so now we don't look forward to the redeemer that may come like David was when he says, oh Lord, my rock and my redeemer. He's looking forward to the Messiah that will come. No, when we see our sin, we don't look forward to what might be, we look forward to what Jesus has already done. So when we see our sin, we don't think, oh no, what do I do? 
We don't think, oh no, I need to try to be better. Uh, Oh no, how am I going to fix this? No, the the bad news of the Bible is that you can't fix it, but the good news is, is that Jesus has fixed it. Jesus has provided a way for you and for I to be redeemed, and that's what we need. That's what we need. So, this psalm is not pushing us to just read our Bibles more or to start a Bible reading plan. No, this psalm ultimately is calling us to rest in Christ, our Redeemer. So, so this morning, don't hear, oh, I'm such a bad Christian because I am not committed enough to God's Word. Don't walk out with this burden that, that, hey, I need to read the Bible more because then I would be a good Christian. No, here's the truth. We are all bad Christians. We are all really bad at this thing. We are great sinners, but here is the good news. Christ is a great Savior. And so as we fall more and more in love with Jesus, and he begins to work in our heart and in our life, then we have a hunger to value, to delight in, and to submit to God's word. So the only way any of those things are possible is through Jesus Christ, is by trusting him, by pressing in to him. So in other words, Psalm 19 is about us being reminded of the gospel. See, a relentless commitment to knowing God's word leads to radical joy in God's world. And so when we're committed to God's word, we value it, we delight in it, and we submit to it. And so here is the question, how do I practice, how do you practice, how do we practice submitting to God's word? We practice it like this, by reading it, by memorizing it, by studying it, by meditating on it, by submitting to it. That that we get into God's word to get God's word into us. This is the reason why we're encouraging our church to use a Bible reading plan that we've put out this year. We've got a Bible reading plan. It's five days a week. It's one chapter a day. You read one chapter a day, five days a week. Then in a year, you'll have read through the entire New Testament. And there's verses to memorize each week. And so we're encouraging our church, everyone in this room, to let's read the Bible together. And so if you look at the pew in front of you, you'll see that QR code that Pastor Craig mentioned earlier. You can scan that code and that will take you to where you can find a link to our Bible reading plan. Uh, many of you have already engaged on version on the, the Bible app. And so we're reading the Bible, literally reading the Bible together. This morning, I was going back over my sermon notes, and I'm getting emails and alerts on my phone because people are commenting on what they read in the Bible reading plan this morning. They're they're commenting so we can see, hey, this is what so-and-so saw when they read the Bible. I was looking this morning, reading my Bible, and I got a notification, hey, Casey Sherman had just commented this. And more than just letting me know that, hey, he's read the Bible, that's an encouragement to me that, hey, he's reading the Bible. I need to read the Bible too. I need to be in it as well. So you can find version. We actually, we had enough people interested that, that we ran out of physical copies. So we'll have physical copies back next week, but you can go online. You can find a physical copy to print out on our website, that QR code. You can join with us on version. read it through there. But the goal isn't to just check the box, Right? The goal is to know God's word. So we can say that we value and we're committed to God's word all day, but if we're not reading it and meditating on it, do we really value it? Are we really committed to it? See, 2021 can be a lot of things. It can be the year after the storm. 
For some of us, 2021 is going to be the year of the storm. But I know this, if we'll commit to knowing God's word, then he'll give us joy that can withstand whatever this year throws at us. If we'll commit to knowing God's word, then we won't just survive 2021, we will thrive in 2021. And so maybe today you're saying, hey, I need to commit. I need to commit to not just knowing God's word. I, I need to commit to Jesus. I, I need to trust Jesus. If, if you've got a decision that you need to make, say, hey, I need someone to pray with me. I need someone to talk with me about what does it look like to follow Jesus, this redeemer that we've talked about. And we just want you to send a text. We've got the, the number we'll throw up on the screen. It's there on the pew in front of you, 407-338-4024. You send a text, say, hey, I need to talk to someone about following Jesus. And there's someone on the other end of that line, they'll message you right back. Maybe say, hey, Ethan, I, I'm, I'm following Jesus, but you know what? I need to get connected to the church. I need to con get connected to a small group that, that can help me, keep me accountable, help walk with me and pray with me as I follow Jesus. We would love to help you do that. Text that number, 407-338-4024. Just put groups in there. And we'll, we'll work to help get you connected to whatever group might work for you. But here's what I know. Anytime we read God's word, anytime, every time, it's always calling us, he's always calling us to do something. Right? He's always calling us to submit. So, so maybe today what the Lord is calling you to do uh, is to commit to being serious about getting into his word. Maybe he's calling you to commit to the church. Maybe he's calling you to commit to Jesus. Whatever it is, don't wait. Whatever it is, know that it's good and it's sweet that he's working in you and for you. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for today, Lord, we're grateful for another day that we can come and we can worship you. Lord, we're grateful that your word is true. We're grateful that your word is right. And so, Father, we pray this morning that you would do what only you can do, and that is apply your word to our hearts. Father, I pray that in 2021, this would not be a year where we just survive. It wouldn't be a year where we just exist, but this would be a year that we thrive, that we thrive in our life, that we thrive in our relationship with you. And so, Father, I pray for every person in this room today that 2021 would be the sweetest year of fellowship with you that they have ever experienced. And so, Father, we pray this and we ask this in Jesus' name. Thank you again for listening to the Central Church Podcast. For more information on how to take your next step, visit us online at centralsanford.net.